Good evening. Happy hump day. Of course, welcome to She Said What. Happy Wednesday. I hope everyone's doing amazing. Of course, if this is your first time listening or you're tuning into the replay, my name is Alan M. Newman Jr. And you are here for She Said What. You can follow us on YouTube at He Said What. Click the like, click the follow and subscribe. Also share this video and the other host of videos you see on there to your friends and family. I am looking forward to this week's conversation. This is one of my very, 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 if not my top three, my best friend in the world. My girl, Michelle, how are you doing today? No pressure, but I'm excited. No, no, I'm super excited to be here too. I am happy that you let me come back for another time. You know, we have fun the last time. Of course. Um, for those who are familiar with the show, last year, Michelle was a guest on She Said What when we were just getting off the ground. Everyone who was listening knows we had a radio format, so you did not get a chance to see her smiling face. You get to see it today. <laughs> for the fellas who are listening, oh, I believe she is single. <laughs> so if your interests are peaked during this, Listen for her info. And I mean, you might want to slide in the DM and see if you have the qualifications to sweep her off her feet. I'm just saying. Wow. Because she is the traveling auntie. I'm just saying. But, you're right. You're right. I am the auntie. right. <laughs> but I am excited. Um, Just for the simple fact, we have some good topics that we're going to talk about today. Um, the very first one that we're going to start off with, Michelle, is what are some issues in the Black community that we are either failing to address or intentionally ignoring? Um, now you know, since the pandemic, a lot of Black issues have popped up when it comes to protecting Black men, protecting Black women, protecting children um, in the dating dating range, career range, everything of that um, magnitude. So for you, from what you've seen, especially because of what you do for a living, um, what are some issues in the Black community that you think we are either ignoring? I do feel like we're ignoring more um, than just failing at them. So what issues do you think we're intentionally either ignoring or failing at addressing in our community? I, mm, yeah, it's loaded. Yeah. I know it's a loaded. Right, it's loaded. right. It's loaded. Can you come out with a, a softer question? <laughs> no. no, you already know that. Right. No. Um, ooh, failing to address. And I think we're going to talk about this a lot today, but really and truly, when we're talking about like the relationships between Black men and Black women, right? Um, and thinking about how, like you've talked about, right, and protecting, but in the way that we treat each other, in the way that we respect each other, the way that we care for each other, because me respecting you has nothing to do with whether I like you or not, right? And right. I think that we've gotten to the point that we've believed, like, I have to like you in order to give you respect. And when we get to that point, the minute I stop liking you is the minute I start call- disrespecting you and calling you names and trashing you on social media and then doing all those things. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that that's the first thing we need to address is, like, how we care for each other as a community, right? Sure. And, and figuring out how to navigate those spaces where you don't have to be my friend, don't have to be somebody I love, whatever, but I still respect you. I still care enough about you to treat you like a human because mm-hmm. we treat everybody else that way. That's true. That's true. That's true. So I, that would that would be where I would start um, is, is how we treat each other as a community and respecting and loving and protecting each other despite how we feel about the other person. Okay. And I actually like that you said that. I remember... 
I feel like I see that I either saw this on like TikTok or Instagram that a similar thing was brought up. And it was very interesting to hear the perspective from men and the perspective from women, because a lot of women feel like you should want to protect me regardless. I even remember, I think I did a video saying that black women should be protected regardless of whatever they are going to offer you um, or not offer you. If I'm out there and I see a black woman being disrespected, I should be willing to go out of my way to protect her and make sure she's good because she is somebody's mother. She's somebody's wife, someone's daughter. Like I should be thinking about how I would want someone to react with my mom and my sister. But then on the spectrum of when the men address this, the men literally was, I'm not about to get killed for jumping to protect a woman and I don't know what's going on. Or she's not my mother, so I'm not going to defend her. She's doing nothing for me for me to want to defend her. Mm. So when stuff like that is said, it's very interesting because as soon as a black man says that, then naturally a black woman's response is, well, whenever you're done unjustly, whenever you're killed or something like this, we come out in droves to say this should not have happened, how Mm -hmm. you should handle it. But now when it's time for us to be defended or protected, it's like, no, because there's no consequence to me because she doesn't bring nothing to the table for me. Right. So how do we talk about this conversation without it blowing up? Because, you know, the fun one thing about black people, we're super passionate when it comes to topics. Yes. Sometimes we forget to respect each other's boundaries and opinions when we talk. So as men. What should we do or how should we be handling this situation when you are telling us, hey, I don't feel protected. I don't feel like you value us. I feel like you're not doing these things for us in the black community. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's as simple as interrupting the flow of things. Right. So I'll give you an example. Um, I travel a lot for work. And so I was I don't even remember where I was in the country, but I was someplace that wasn't home. And I'd gone to like Target that was down the street from my hotel to pick up a few things. And I saw this guy Target looking at me, but I didn't think nothing about it because I got my list running in my head and I'm trying to keep moving, right? Mm-hmm. Get back to my hotel and I needed to print something. So I'm trying to get over to the little office center or whatever. And the same man that was at the Target is now at my hotel, right? And he's trying to check in, but he's waiting on the, the front desk guy to, to do whatever he needs to do. Mm-hmm. So he starts talking to me, right? And he's like, hey, I saw you at Target. You ignored me, da, da, da. And I'm like... I actually wasn't even paying any attention. It was no disrespect. Hey, right? Like, but in my mind, I'm already thinking this. One, he's at my hotel. So I have to be real careful about how I interact with this guy because I'm not interested. I'm not, I don't want to date him. I'm not trying to give him my number. I'm not trying to sleep with him. Mm -hmm. And two, how am I going to get out of this safely? Right. So that's that's what I'm already processing in my mind. And so he's asking me, like, why are you here? What how long are you gonna be here? And all these questions. And I'm over here like, mm, oh, yeah, you know, I'm here for work. Da, da, da. Yeah. All the front desk person had to do was say, Hey, sir, I'm ready for you. Because and he knew I was uncomfortable because after he finished checking the guy in, I went over to the office and or whatever, he came over to me and he was like, Yo, I saw that you was uncomfortable. So he recognized the situation mm-hmm. and all he had to do was interrupt the flow, right? If he had stopped and said, Hey, sir, I'm ready for you. I can go ahead and take you here. Mm-hmm. That would have given me enough time to be like, okay, well, nice to meet you. Take care and walk off. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it's those moments that 
you don't have to step in, right? I'm not asking you to jump in between us and, and protect me, but just, hey, sis, you good? Yeah. Is enough to distract and interrupt, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the other thing is, and you, you said this, right? Like, she's somebody's daughter. She's somebody's mom. She's somebody. But I don't have to be connected to anybody else mm-hmm. to need and want respect and protection, right? I am somebody, period. I am someone in this world who needs that. So I really feel like that's where we need to begin is not seeing women or even men, right? Because there's plenty of women who walk around who think like, you know, well, he ain't, he can't do this for me. So I ain't going to write whatever. We have to think of the person as they are a person, they are human in this space and they deserve it because they are a human. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that that's where we should be. Ooh, that, that's a lot. And you're, you're absolutely correct. You're absolutely correct. I do think at the end of the day, for some reason, when it comes to interacting with Black women, we completely or unconsciously does not realize that that is just a person, just to begin with, it's a person who deserves their own space and everything like that. So it's really interesting when you talk about how the interaction was at the hotel, because it's funny whenever you hear somebody interrupt something, especially when it comes like a man's interaction with a woman, People are like, bruh, you caught blocking. You sitting there not letting him get his game on. And it's like, nah, like you don't see, she, she, she's not interested. Like, but you know what? Even if that was the case, if I was interested, it ain't going to stop me from saying like, oh, no, I'm good. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you. Right? Because it's happened before. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. The bartender might come up and interrupt like, oh, y'all, y'all good? Yes, bruh, I'm good. Thank you. you. Right? Like, hey, <laughs> move around. <laughs> So, and like I said, right, and that's a perfect example. Bartenders do it all the time, mm-hmm. right? They see the interaction. They're like, mm, something look a little, you good? Yeah. yeah. So, if that's the case, his game wasn't that good if it got me to be like, all right, thanks. <laughs> you wouldn't interrupt or nothing. Mm-hmm. So. True, true, true. You, you know some of them. You know, you, you're right. You're right. You're right. I, I can rock with that. I can rock with that. That's a pretty good assessment um, when it comes to that. Um, before we go to the next, um, our next topic, um, also when you look at the interaction with Black men and Black women, um, do you feel like it's something that wasn't dealt with or cultivated correctly in the home? Or do you just feel like as men get older, this interaction kind of turns the way it is. Because I know a lot of people are like, mm-hmm. well, if they're not shown in the home how they're supposed to interact, they're not going to do it when they are adults. But do you, can you really, do you really need to, can you really cultivate a child on how they're supposed to, like you can teach your child how to be respectful and like how you're supposed, but you can't really cultivate them when it comes to like dating or interaction with. I think you can. Okay. I absolutely think you can because the way that they are exposed and how to treat the opposite sex mm-hmm. and relationships that they see in their parents and relationships that they see in other family members is the way that they're like, this is what, this is what it's supposed to be. Right. So I was raised in, you know, t- traditional two parent household. My parents have been married almost 40 years. Right. Like mm-hmm. my grandparents the same way. Like those are the households that I was experienced, the relationships I was experienced to. Mm-hmm. So someone yelling and screaming in a relationship i'm like mm, 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 that's not what we do over here like that's that doesn't work right but someone whose experience is watching their parents and the parents partner or whatever 
yell and argue with each other all the time, that's what they think healthy relationship is. That's what they think relationship is supposed to be. So that's what they're going to bring in into their adulthood until they're trained. Maybe that's not the best way to communicate with someone. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think it's absolutely you can raise a child if they take in what you're giving them. Right. <laughs> but what you're exposed to is absolutely what is going to be the standard for you in relationship and in your interactions with other people. Awesome. Awesome. Amazing. Amazing. I, I definitely appreciate that. Um, Cause it makes you think it definitely makes you think um, on to our next question. Um, we are talking about <laughs> speaking of the household upbringing and the household. So of course, you know, your parents have been married for how long they are. We know my parents were together for 38 years. So like both of our thought process is similar when it comes to upbringing the household. So when you look at how things are going today, because you do have a lot of single parent households, just as much as you have uh, two parent households, when it comes to upbringing bringing in the black community, um, where do you think we can improve? Because um, like you said, like children are sponges, like children, they see something they're going to think it's right, whether it's actually wrong in society or not, because it's something that's the normal for them. Right. So when you're dealing with each other and your upbringing is different based on households, how do we correlate that to make it work as a unit? Because let's say, for example, who you're talking to, his his house was freaking World War Three. Mm -hmm. That's all he's used to. He's yep. used to yelling, screaming, shouting, fighting, all of that. And then you're coming from this whole my house was a house of Zen, or as my dad used to say to us, we communicate in this house without being loud. Yeah. Like, how do you cultivate that and work with that when your upbringing is completely different? So in that situation, it's probably not going to work for me. Um, I'm going to be like, it was nice to meet you. Because um, <laughs> I can't handle it, right? But no, really and truly, um, I think it's being willing to compromise, being willing to figure out how to navigate those spaces. So when you're talking about communication, if you're the person who like, hey, when I get to seven, I need to step away, mm -hmm. right? And like, you need to let me step away. And that's something that a lot of people have a problem with because, and even sometimes I struggle with that, right? Like I'm amped, I'm going and like, you. what you mean you need to take a minute to stop the conversation? I'm, I'm still, I'm still ready to argue with you, right? Mm -hmm. um, but recognizing that A, when, when you're at that level, right? I'm at this level. I need to take, take a step away. And being able to communicate that to your partner is important. Mm -hmm. And then your partner being willing to be like, oh, OK, I'm going to give you like an hour and then we need to circle back. Right. Because mm -hmm. you can't leave it. Yeah. And I think that that's a big part of navigating and figuring out where that compromise is. Is like, you know what? I'm about to push you to that level. But it's also figuring out how to fight fair. Right. Like mm -hmm. I know the people that I love and care about, I know what your trigger is. I know exactly what to say to get you on, set right? you off. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, I, and, it, and if I get angry enough, it'll slip out and I'll be like, ooh, <laughs> my bad, right? So it's also knowing that, hey, I'm about to say some things that I am not going to be able to take back. Mm -hmm. And I have to be able to control myself. So a lot of it is about figuring out self and then communicating that to the other person. But the other person has to be willing to make that adjustment too, right? And able, right? Yeah. Not everybody has the skills independently to figure out what to do in those moments. 
That's true. So that's when you need to get outside resources, right? Mm-hmm. Therapy is okay, y'all. <laughs> it, it works. It's Amen. good for you. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I'm glad you said it. I'm glad you said it because people Listen. be acting allergic to that word. And, the, and like, it's, I won't say it's cool, but you can't control the household you came in, that you came from. You, there's, you have no control over that. That's the, the cards that life dealt you, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But as an adult, you have control over how you allow that to continue to impact your life. So if you're facing those moments where you're like, listen, every time I'm arguing and I can't get there, therapy, maybe maybe you need to talk to somebody and figure out where that's coming from and how to navigate those spaces, right? So I think that that's the biggest part, figuring out yourself, figuring out how to communicate that to your partner. And no matter what kind of different household you grew up in, hopefully you'll be able to find that balance and figure out how to navigate moving forward. True, true. And speaking of creating that balance and talking about the upbringing um, within the household, do you find it? Because I do know a lot of people are quick to say when you marry or get with somebody, some people say you're marrying that family or that family is being a part of you. And then, you know, there's a lot of people like, well, nah, you're just marrying me. You're just dealing with me. Even though your interactions, you're going to be dealing with whatever trauma or anything came past from them growing up from that house. So how do you feel if you're dealing with somebody who is like, my upbringing has nothing to do with how I am going to be with you? Because sometimes you run into that person that, that does not believe that their upbringing has anything to do with how their interaction is going to be with you. So kind of what is your approach when you deal with somebody in that regard? I mean, the reality of it is, is that all of our past experiences impact the way we operate. So while you may have been raised in a household that, you know, screamed and argued and fussed and fought and all that kind of stuff, and you're not that person, that doesn't mean that those experiences don't impact you, right? Or vice versa, right? Like if you raised in like a super peaceful household that never argued, and you're the person who's always picking an argument, that doesn't mean that that doesn't impact you and it doesn't have an influence on you. It just means that like it influences you in a different way. So unless you never, ever, 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 ever speak to your family, you've changed your name, your number, your email address and everything else, <laughs> you're still gonna be connected to your family, right? Like there, there's gonna be a pop-up at some point in life where they like, hey, I know I haven't spoken to you in five years, but I got old people I used to talk to hit me up like that. So, and they're not even family, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, no, you're right. You're pop right. Pop up in the, the inbox and the DMs and everything else. So if those folks from years ago can pop up, I know your family can, right? Mm-hmm. So we can't believe that it's not going to happen. I'm never going to speak to them. And in fact, the more detached you are from your family, I feel like the more impactful that them coming back in your life is, right? Like it's gonna mess with you even more than this family that you see consistently or regularly or whatever the case may be. So I'd be like, you know what? It sounds like you're not facing reality right now and (laughs) you should probably address that before we move forward. So yeah. Okay, I like that. I like that. Um, Before we go to our 8.30 break, we're gonna deal with one more topic um, as well. I really like that topic. Um, but the next topic we're going to talk about is, and this is going to be an interesting one, especially because of the field you work in. Okay. Being black 
in yes. corporate America. So of course, those who know me know I'm in corporate America with the company that I work with, but my friend definitely has a very interesting position in corporate America. So definitely, uh, Michelle, with you, especially with all of your traveling because of the job that you have, um, how would you, first, how would you rate it? But how would you say your interactions are in corporate America being a Black woman? Yeah. So I'm going to go back to not what I do right now, right? But before I do what I do now, um, I was a practicing attorney. Um, And I practiced in rural South Texas where there was me and one other Black attorney in the entire county. Okay. So just kind of giving you a picture there. and underneath these locks, they're real cute, but I, it's not mine, right? I, I bought it. And my hair is natural. I've been natural my whole life, you know, twist outs, braid outs, froze the whole nine. And so that's a really interesting space to navigate as a Black woman of like, hmm, when I do this interview, how am I going to put this natural hair so it don't scare them, right? So how can I put it together enough that they're like, you know what, it's cool, yeah. We, we feel safe with her, right? Because that's what it's about. Um, it's really interesting. But I would say when you're rated, when if I had to rate it in that position was like a three on a scale of one to 10, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now in the role that I'm in now, it's more like a seven. It's much better. It's a different environment, different expectations. But it is really, really interesting figuring out how much of yourself you can show, right? Like, hmm, a lot of my colleagues are not the same skin tone as me and their interest and like what they think is okay. And I'll be up there like, (laughs) right? Like potlucks. So no, no lie, (laughs) y'all. Last Christmas, right? We're talking about what we're going to do and everything for the work. And somebody said, I'm so disappointed. We can't have potlucks anymore. And I was like, disappointed, right? And I forgot that I wasn't supposed to show that side of me. I forgot I was supposed to hold that in. I was like, ooh, um, I mean, I, you know, I don't like to cook. So potlucks are always put me in a difficult position, right? Um, but that is a perfect example of like, they were like, that's, I'm so sad. And I'm like, I'm actually ecstatic that I don't have to make up an excuse to leave the office on the day that we have a potluck. So I don't want to eat none of y'all's food because I watch how your cats walk across the screen on Zoom every day. Right. (laughs) It's absolutely insane. Um, So, yeah, that is definitely a different space and figuring out like how much of that can I show? Right. Can I show that I'm like, mm, we don't do animals in the kitchen like that. That's not mm-hmm. okay. Not okay. Right. Or even to the music that I love. Right. I, there's a lot of great artists out there, mm-hmm. but I tend to listen to R and B, neo soul, that kind of thing. Right. So yeah. like we, we got a long car ride for an event. Oh, this is going to be, <laughs> but and, you know, I talked about the, the the negative things, right? On the flip side, it's really amazing because, one, I get to open up doors for other people, right? I've reached the point that I'm allowed to, that I've gained that space that I can have influence. And I'm in the space where there's conversations and 
I can be the person to be impactful and say like, no, we need to move this way, right? Mm -hmm. um, so while there's a lot of burden, there's a lot of blessing in it. Uh, and I think that that's the part that makes it easier to keep going mm -hmm. because I can say, nah, you know what? I'm gonna create this space for this other woman of color to come in and do some things, right? I can move, um, I always say, I like to take the money I earn from the white people and give it back to the white people, right? <laughs> So if I have to order supplies or order whatever, I look for black owned companies. Might as well put the money back in there. Right. So there's a lot of benefit in it as well. Um, but it's not easy and it's not for the faint of heart. And you have to have your people. Right. You have to have the folks that you can connect to um, and can understand where you are in that space and the challenges that you face, because there's the, you know, the the weak white woman. Right. Who the minute you challenge what they're going to do now, they crying in somebody's office and you mean and you this and you that. And you're like, I just told you to, to make edits like that's that's my job and that's your job. Let's both do our jobs and move forward. Right. But are you not friends? They don't they don't ever come out with us. They don't. Right. And now it's a, an insult and that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, those those moments aren't easy. Right. And figuring out, um, as a friend of mine said, like the silent code, right? The things that we're supposed to do, but we don't know that we're supposed to do it. No one ever told us, right? We're not invited into, you know, the happy hour event or, you know, golf, the, the, the country club on Saturdays, right? We aren't taught those kind of soft skills that give us those opportunities to advance and to have other conversations that aren't happening in the boardroom or whatever the case may be. So I think that's the other difficult part as well is figuring out what you don't know, but not having anyone to show you. True, true. Now, do you feel like, cause that is very, <laughs> that is very true about having to navigate a space where you don't really know the ins and outs cause no one's there to navigate you. Do you feel like when there are more than one Black person in a particular position in corporate America, do you feel like we are there to help each other? Or are we more focused on where we're trying to go and you're just a stepping stone and challenge that I need to bypass to get to the goal I need in corporate America? I, I think it depends on the person and the company. Because if the company is like, hey, we got more than enough for everybody, everybody can get it, it creates a better space for like, I don't have to undercut you because I don't have to be the only person of color in the room, right? Mm -hmm. um, but there's definitely plenty of us that'll be like, you actually should not be better than me. So good luck, right? Or even like, I'm going to sabotage you, right? I'm going to do things to keep you from moving forward. Um and still fake in your face, right? Yeah. Right? yeah. That's the part. Um, so I I say it's probably 50-50. There are plenty of us out there, what they say, all skin folk and kin folk. Yeah, folk. yeah. <laughs> right. There are plenty of us out there that are not going to um be helpful and supportive and lead and guide. And I think that there are plenty of us out there that are like, hey, it's enough out here for everybody to eat. Let's go. Right. Mm -hmm. Um so I think it's, again, it's about figuring out who that person is early on and then figuring out how to navigate your interactions with them. 
Awesome. Awesome. Amazing. I like that take. I like that take. Um, we're actually going to go ahead and go to our commercial break. Um, and then we'll come back and we're going to start it off with a fire question. Oh, no from our sister show last night on He Said What? So after this break, we'll be back on the conclusion of the matter here on She Said What? See you in a bit. You are tuned into the He Said What Network with your boy RG. I'm your guy, Alan M. Newman Jr. Well, Mike, with your girl, Lappy. With your girl, Simply Bree. Keep it locked. And be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. The He Said What Network, where we are bridging the gap between Black and Latinx men and women. Check us out. Awesome, awesome, awesome. That was quick. <laughs> Back <laughs> the show here on She Said What. Of course, you know, I'm your host, Adam Newman Jr. And my lovely guest, Michelle. Um, it's been an amazing take so far um, as we navigate the world as people of color and Black people. Um, yes, Kendrick, um, I'm glad that you are here and a part of the show um, and enjoy that you are enjoying yourself on here as well. Um, like I said before the commercial break, we are actually going to deviate a little bit to a question that was asked on He Said What on last night. So, Michelle, the question that was asked last night was, how do you feel about going Dutch on dates? Ooh. Uh-uh. <laughs> so, so, I'm not against it. However, the first date, if, if you don't want to invest, right? Because that's what dating is. Dating is an investment. If you don't want to invest that much, then you should probably reduce the date to something that you're willing to spend, right? Like, hey, let's go get coffee. Let's let's go let's go hit the little the little froyo. You know what I'm saying? That's gonna be ten ten dollars, right? <laughs> if you if you don't want to invest that much early on, I get it. I'm not mad, but don't. At the first date, ask me to pay Dutch. That's not gonna work. I'm sorry. Okay, okay. We're past the first date. I paid for the first date. It was banging. It was chill. It was amazing. Of course, it was with me. We're not gonna do this with you. We're not gonna do this with you. Um, hey, Kasha. Um, can we go Dutch afterwards? Or how many dates can we go on before I'm able to say, can we go Dutch? Um, like if the first date was awesome and I paid for it and the next couple of dates were awesome and, I, and we kind of figured out if we're vibing. So I, I think the, the part is Dutch, right? So for me, I'm the person who I'm like, if I ask you out, like if I'm like, if, if it's my idea for something, I don't have a problem paying, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's not my issue. It's the presentation of it, right? Like, because it comes off sounding like you real cheap. That's, that's what it is. <laughs> 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 it just comes off like you cheat. So mm -hmm. I'm cool with you saying like, you know what? I think you're really great. And I just, I'm not ready to make that type of investment. Oh, okay, that's cool, right? But again, if I'm like, hey, this is something I wanted to do or I wanted to treat you, mm -hmm. I got it. It's not a problem. Um, 
And maybe, you know what I'm saying? I'll be like, oh, I got the tip. I got it's nothing, right? But mm-hmm. now nah, speak your piece. Speak your piece. I'm struggling with the like, I, I don't know if there's a time limit that I'm like, yeah, I'm cool with us going Dutch because I yeah. can't ever imagine being like, yeah, let's split the bill. Like if we're going to, if you do that, if we're out at a restaurant and you're like, yeah, separate checks, I'm going to be like, you know what? It was it was nice to meet you. Yeah, you don't know. I don't think we need to go out again. Right. That's going to be my reaction. Um, but other than that, I just I don't know. Well, I mean, thank you, thank you, Dakota, for the for the comments. So I see Dakota said reflection is necessary. Yes. Discussing when and why you will be going Dutch. Are we going Dutch because one of us makes more money or because we have savings goals? That is interesting. Actually, you know? I've never thought about it from that approach. Thank you, Dakota, for that. Um, yes. Um, I still feel like I'm going to be like, mm, maybe we should date in your price range. Right. And like I said, because for me, if I if it's something I want to do and I know it's out of your price range, but it's not out of mine, I'll do it. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. hey, I like going to the the NBA games, but I kind of, you know, I sit in the letters. Not. Yeah. I was about to say, don't y'all let her fool you because she's not sitting in the nosebleeds. Don't don't let don't let her fool you. Not at all. Right. Like. I'm in the I'm in the le- the double letters that right yeah that's where I like to sit. So if that's what I want to do, I'm going to buy the tickets. I'm gonna pay for it. Now I might be like, you can drive and pay for parking. I guess that's Dutch, right? Technically, yeah. kind of. I mean, well, it's it's funny. It you know what? Now that you said that, and Kasha, thanks for your um, comment as well. Um, she said she gets frustrated and confused. I'd be like, wow, but then I don't be wanting to judge. <laughs> It actually makes sense when you say it like that, because let's be let's be realistic. As much as people complain about they don't want to go 50 50 or they don't want someone who's making them have to pay for something. I don't think people realize when they start dating, we do it anyway. Like my last relationship, I would pay for dinner and she would pay for the tip and we wouldn't even think about it. She would pay for something and I would pay. And. It's amazing in a relationship. You don't even realize that you're doing the same thing that everyone is complaining about. Like, and you're not even thinking about it. I don't know. It's because now you're officially in a relationship and you're like, this is my person. So I don't care. Um, so it's very interesting because majority of people who complain about going Dutch and stuff like that, when they get in a relationship, mm-hmm. you end up doing the same thing you complain about when it comes to someone asking you out. Yeah. Now, when we talk about Dutch, do you feel like men are biting off more than they can chew when they decide they want to do something in particular with you? And when I say that, you just mentioned basketball. So let's say I'm getting to know you. And guys, we're going to go to the next question. I just want to make this short, but I know this is a fireball question from last night. So let's say I'm like, Michelle, I've seen you. You're attractive. I want to get to know you. I want to take you out. And you're like, okay, cool, bet we can have a little dinner. No, 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 no. I know you like basketball. And I saw a picture that you put on your Facebook or Instagram, and you was like courtside. So let's do that. I'm gonna take you courtside. Mm-hmm. But then, brother, you sweating when you look it up their prices and you try to figure out like how is she getting courtside? Like, is she paying for courtside? Or is like she has a friend who has the connection? And now it's like 
do I get what I can afford or do I sit there and go over because I know where she's at? So do sometimes do men tend to outthink themselves when trying to date you or date women in general? Ooh, that is, ooh, that's good. That actually reminds me of a post I saw recently about a guy being like, I can see you, you a, you a little bougie, you that kind of woman, right? <laughs> so I'm going to take you to someplace, you know, special. He was like, Chipotle, right? <laughs> and the woman was like, the place I go for lunch? When I have a break at work? Like, you know, she was just like, mm-mm-mm. Thank you, though. But be blessed, right? Like, and my response was, there's nothing wrong with Chipotle as a date. And there's nothing wrong with her expecting special and fancy to look different. Yes. They just weren't in the same dating range. Like, mm-hmm. they, they were not meant to date each other. And I think that that's what it is, right? Like, date somebody that's in your range. There are women out here who expect fine dining and fancy experiences from the very beginning. If you don't have that money, that's not the woman for you to date right now. You get your, get your money up, right? But then there's plenty of women out there who are like, I'm just happy that somebody is taking me out and... It's whatever. We can go to Applebee's, right? Like, and they cool. Ah! <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Two for 20. Two for 20. <laughs> so you have to figure out, right? Like, what woman and what range you can afford to date. Like, put dating in your budget. How much money you spend in a week on dating? And then figure out what kind of woman it looks like. <laughs> and what she's willing to do, right? Is she the woman who's like, Oh, a picnic in the park is so cute. This is all. I love it. And then there's women who are like, why in the world would you ever take me outside? I have on heels. Like, I can't walk on the grass like this. Right? Like, (laughs) you got to know who you dating. And you have to know what's in your range. Okay. Final, final, final question on this. And then we'll go to our next topic. Since you're saying you got to know who you're dating. But Michelle, I like them baddies. Like, you know, them the ones I'm attracted to. Them the ones I want. So... Get your money up. <laughs> well, then you shut that down with the... <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Okay. Date who you can afford to date. Or go in debt. Like, I guess that's your other option. I... But if I go in debt, you ain't gonna want me once you finally go in debt. Then get your money up. I don't know what else. Like you got a couple of options right here. You can date in your range, get your money up, or go in debt. Those are your three options. <laughs> them some tough options. So, um, but Chipotle, I can't do Chipotle, right? I can't take nobody to Chipotle because I heard they got margaritas. I heard they got margaritas. <laughs> you play too much. You can absolutely <laughs> take someone to Chipotle on a date, right? Mm-hmm. But. You have to know, hey, don't, first of all, don't put it off as something fancy or special. Mm-hmm. Be like, hey, this is a first date. I really think we should keep it chill. That sets a different expectation. Because once you say, I'm going to keep it chill, I'll be like, oh, we ain't doing this. <laughs> I ain't put on my jeans for this, right? Like, <laughs> I think we're flats. I don't even feel no cute, right? Gotcha. And then Chipotle becomes a date that you're like, oh, okay. But don't try to tell me that's fancy, right? Like... <laughs> That, I don't even think that would have been fancy when I was in college. Like, I'd have been like, mm, I can get this on my meal plan. I'm good. 
See, we're not doing this. We'll talk about this other later day. <laughs> Our next uh, topic, um, and this is a very, 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 very good one. Can we rebuild Black Wall Street? And the reason why I say this is a very good one, because, friend, you know as much as I do with both of us on social media, you see a lot of people that complain about Black entrepreneurship and businesses and how they should handle and if their Black businesses want to pick up, this is what they should do and this is what they got to do. So can we logically rebuild Black Wall Street? Or is it something that we can only dream to attain because of how we are as people of color? Um, yes and no, right? So part of it is like, when we really think about Black Wall Street, the reason why it was so successful is because we didn't have another choice, right? Like there were Black owned banks. I know of like maybe four Black owned banks most of them are on the East Coast, and there's one that's like an online option, right? Mm -hmm. However, there are about four banks, if I drive down the street from me, that I can all walk in right now and open up an account if I got $5, right? Yeah. So there's so many options that we have now that make it harder for us to concentrate all of our dollars into one space, mm -hmm. right? But there are a lot of spaces, like there's um, a place just outside of Atlanta, it's called like the new black wall street new black market or something like that oh, okay. mm -hmm. and it's an amazing concept right so it is like an indoor shopping shopping mall and black owned businesses can rent these small stores right that are more like what we're going to see for small businesses that i have a handful of product i don't keep a lot of things on stock right mm -hmm. and they can have a storefront mm. amazing space amazing concept and I think you're going to find more and more of those places popping up. But the reality of it is that's in Atlanta. Yeah. I have to go in person to find it. Mm -hmm. Amazon right on my phone. And I got one click and I got prime. You know what I'm saying? I, like I can have it in front of me in a day. Right. So there's a matter of convenience that sometimes we're not willing to to deal with. Right. Um so I think that there are options. I think we have the ability to come together, but I also realize that we have so many options on where our money goes that it makes so much harder to build it up because why am I going to the bookstore, the black owned bookstore, right? That's going to charge me more because they don't get the same rate and discount from their vendors because they aren't ordering as much as Barnes and Noble. <laughs> right. Um, so we have to be willing to spend the money. Right. I saw a post, I think it was earlier today, and it said, if my friend is selling a shirt for $30, I'm paying $30. Yeah. We have to get that mindset of, I'm going to support you no matter what, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the truth of the matter is, you get bad service from everybody else, too. <laughs> I've ordered plenty of things, and it's come back wrong, wrong size, wrong whatever, whatever. It didn't get ordered. It took forever for it to get here. That's not that's business. That's not exclusive to black owned businesses. Right. So we have to get to the point that we take that excuse out of our repertoire. Right. And start thinking of other reasons why we are not giving back when we have the opportunity. Like even little things. If you say every check, I'm a support a black owned business. One time that if if each one of us said that we could rebuild Black Wall Street. Mm -hmm. right? We could be in a position where 
there are so many black owned businesses that support each and every aspect of our lives. That's all I have to shop for. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so I live in a really amazing space. Five minutes down the street, there's a black owned gym and a bookstore and a coffee shop and a bar. Whoa, 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 wait. A black owned gym? Black owned gym. And I love it. Right. So I walk in, all of my trainers are black. Right. The owner of the gym is black. The, most of the people, you know, there's a, a few of them that sneak in, but most of the people that attend are black, right? And so it's really an amazing space. And you know what? I pay the same price I would pay for any gym of that caliber. Now, it's a smaller space, but that's a sacrifice. You know what? I don't need, I don't need everything. It has what I need. Yeah. And that works for me, right? Um, so there are spaces like that, right? So I can get three or four of my needs met just down the street, mm-hmm. but there's not a black owned grocery store. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to get my money somewhere else. Right. Yeah, um, so it, it's that kind of thing. Are we willing to give back to ourselves? Right. Outside okay. of our hair. And it facts. And, and it's funny because then it makes you wonder, are we intentional? So my friend knows, and a lot of people who follow me, my my hoodie my hoodie collection is immaculate the funny thing is is people don't realize all of my hoodies except for three are from black owned businesses um and when people hear about the prices i paid and like yeah there's some hoodies i got where you're like you paid this yeah yeah there was one i really liked and i was like "Mm." (laughs) (laughs) and it was like yo that that's and i'm like yeah I got it because I support her and I want her business to go up. Mm -hmm. Um, I do feel like we as black people, like you said, there's certain things you can't do. Like there's not a black owned grocery store in Florida, as far as I know. So I can't be like, yo, I need to find a black owned grocery store. I don't have one here. So I have to unfortunately go to the Publix or the Walgreens or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do feel like sometimes we should be intentional when we do want to support. Yeah. and I also feel like sometimes, and Black people don't really think about this, what you make does play a part in that. Because think about it like this. If I'm sitting there making six, seven, eight figures, it's probably not going to hurt me to say, you know what, that Black-owned business in Missouri, I'm going to order from them. It's probably going to take a couple of days or a week or so to get here, but I can afford to pay the price they pay. Yes. So sometimes I think we forget that we have to be intentional. Like, you know what? I want to support you. So I'm going to sacrifice and do this. And we're not saying like, you got to do that all the time. Like, I ain't going to lie. Like, so, there's some hoodies I look at. I'm like, do I really want to pay this? But then I'm like, but I need her business to be successful. So yeah. I'm going to rock this. I'm going to rock this proudly. And I'm going to make that sacrifice to do it. Um, just like when it comes to... Um, Oh, I love that. Yes. Uh, my friend Stephanie asks, uh, Michelle, where's the black owned gym? Because she lives in Texas. So I'm actually in Oklahoma City, but I really do encourage you all. So the, it's it's called Intentional Fitness, Oklahoma City. Um, amazing, amazing gym. I absolutely love it. Um, but I really encourage y'all to look around because I was recently in a Facebook group and someone asked about black owned gyms here in Oklahoma City. And they came up with like three or four others. And I was like, oh. Okay. Um, But I'll tell you one thing I do because I travel so much for work. When I travel, I look up black owned 
in that city. Hmm. And it, I'm telling you, every single city, Google will pull it up for you because they have minority-based listings, right? And so I try to visit a Black-owned business. Most of the time, it's a restaurant, right? Um, but there's so many Black-owned businesses in just little ways, right? I bought this one meal. Make a positive review on online for them, right? After you visit, that stuff makes the difference, right? Liking and sharing on their social media so that they get more ramps up in the algorithm, right? Like we all know it's the algorithm. It's all yeah. about likes and shares. Yeah. If you continue to like and share for somebody, you may not be financially contributing to them, but you are giving them something, right? You're putting them in somebody else's timeline that may have never heard about them and allowing them to grow. So if you look around, right, what are things in your world that you can substitute for Black-owned businesses? That's not going to hurt you, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, beyond your hair care products, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And uh, okay. And Stephanie said the first Black-owned grocery store in Houston just recently opened. So you, you definitely have it. it. You definitely have it going there. So that that's that's good information right there. Um, Stephanie, definitely um, thank you for dropping that info. Um, so yeah, I, I think you have to be intentional in helping build um, Black Wall Street. And like you said, everybody, you have negative reviews everywhere. Like people, Target and Walmart, which I absolutely hate because Walmart food never stays fresh. They're always horrible, but yet people still go there. Oh my God, I just spent like $80 on groceries and it went bad. And still tomorrow you ran right back over to Walmart to get them same groceries that's going to go bad in a week. Because where are you going to go? That part. That part. Um, on our next one, as we're uh, getting closer to the conclusion of the matter, um, our next topic, looking, living, and staying healthy. So, of course, you heard her talking about the gym. My friend is definitely a gym rat. Um, <laughs> I affectionately call her the fine auntie because of her workaholic attitude when it comes to working out. So when we're talking about in the Black community living, um, looking, living, and staying healthy. Of course, the biggest thing we always say is black don't crack. We can tell with your mom. We can tell with my mom. Like when people realize the ages of our parents, it's like, yo, I never would have thought that. But besides the looking, the living and staying healthy part, like what we, what can we do in our communities to keep that going? Because, you know, the biggest problem that we have in the black community is when it comes to food and food consumption. Um, of course, everyone's quick to say, well, you guys, y'all came off of slave food. So that's stuff that you've become accustomed to eating or whatever. What I like the look on your face. What can we do to help us to be able to live and stay healthy? Because too many times we in the black community, we live off of the you got to die from something like something's going to take you out. Um, what can we do to better ourselves in that area? Educate yourselves. Right. So here's the deal. You can have soul food, but it doesn't have to be unhealthy for you. Right. There are ways that we can curb when you make a macaroni and cheese, you don't need to use two pounds of butter right? Like you just cut it in half, right? There's a lot of things we can do to make it easier and healthier for us. And there are a lot of options, but I say be intentional, right? Even if it's one small thing that you change. So you say, you know what, I'm going to drink more water. Just do that every single day. And I promise you, you will see the results seven days and you'll be like, wait a minute. I just, Okay, um, that I, my skin looking different. All right, right? Like I'm feeling lighter, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. One day out of the week, I'm not going to eat meat. I know we love to have our meat in our diets, 
But it won't kill you to not have it one day. Just one day, right? Mm-hmm. Find out if your insurance gives you access to a nutritionist. And that was something I learned recently. And I was like, let me let me go on here and look, right? Because someone was talking about it. And they're like, oh, yeah, you can get a nutritionist through your insurance. And I was like, hmm, I can have someone tell me how I'm supposed to eat. I'm about to check my insurance. You know what I mean? So there are a lot of resources out there. Again, not knowing the questions to ask for us to get the help we need, right? Because they're not going to volunteer that information. Nope. I mean, they do it with themselves, but like we, and the black, when I found out, good example, when I found out about, since we're talking about looking, living, and staying healthy, um, therapy. A lot of people's insurance covers their therapy, but a lot of black people don't know about it. The only reason I found out about mine is because I asked my director and she was like, yeah, your therapy, we cover like you have a whole copay. And I was like, what? She was like, yeah. She's like, it's weird because a lot of people don't use it. And she isn't black. And so when she said that, I looked at her, I was like, do anybody in our department know that we cover it, cover therapy? And she was like, oh, I didn't think about it. That way. I was like, yeah, I guarantee you none of none. And our, and our team is like 95 percent black. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I know none of us know that therapy is covered through our insurance. Like, My insurance covers virtual therapy with zero copay. But little things, right? So my insurance also has a deal with like, I forgot how many different gyms across the country and you pay 20 or $30 and you have access to all of them. And I'm talking about like Gold's Gym, like not, you know, Planet Fitness has its own place, but <laughs> and I'm not knocking them because I got a membership. So, <laughs> but, <laughs> but when I travel and, you know, I can't get to my regular gym, I can get to another one, but that is there, right? So look into the benefits that you have and that you have access to. And the reality of it is, is that you don't need a gym to stay healthy. If you walk, I have a desk job, right? Like it's so much about just, I'm behind a computer most of the day. Get up. My little watch be like, you need to... <laughs> you need to get up and walk, right? You need to stand up. You need to t- take some steps, yeah. Exactly, right? Like, so invest in yourself. It is worth it, right? When they say health is wealth, it's no joke. When I think about, I had a minor health issue, and I and I have good insurance. I know I spent a couple of thousand dollars in additional tests and you know stuff that wasn't covered by the copays and all that other. Like, it is expensive to be sick. Who are you telling? (laughs) So (laughs) you're better off taking care of your body and putting yourself in a position that you won't get sick. Right. And the more you take care of your body, when you do catch a cold, you recover faster. Right. Like there's so many benefits to managing yourself, but you have to be willing to ask for help. Right. Um, Join groups like there are a ton of social media groups that are about fitness and wellness and health. And, you know, new diet options, right? If you think you want to go vegetarian or vegan, there are groups out there that post their recipes all day, every day. You don't have to sit up here and eat potato chips all day because you don't know what other vegan options are available for you, right? Or like, you know what? I dated somebody and he only ate like green beans and broccoli. Those were the only vegetables that he ate. And he was like, I'm trying to go keto. And I was like, well, I don't know. (laughs) You're going to make it, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so you know i'm like hey let's let's go online and look at some keto options like 
you like to go out to eat, let's look at people have already done the research to say this is the keto meal you can get at these different restaurants. Mm -hmm. Let's figure out how to apply it. But you have to be willing. You don't have to be motivated. You have to be disciplined. And that was something a trainer said. And I was like, "Mm, that's a good point. Because a lot of times I'm not motivated to go to the gym. Like I go to the gym so I can look good naked. That's it. Right. (laughs) So there are some days that I'll be like, you know what? I look all right today. I think I'm good. Right. Like, (laughs) but I'm disciplined enough to say, you know what? When I get off of work, I'm going straight to the gym. Go ahead and have my bag packed the night before. So when I walk out the door, I take my gym bag with me and I'm good to go. And once I'm in there working, I'll be like, yo, I can see that I can see the muscle work, right? And then I get my motivation. But it, the motivation doesn't show up before I get in the gym, y'all. Like, so don't wait for motivation to move forward. That's what I gotta say. Nope, no, I like that too. And speaking of eating healthy, black people, there's more vegetables besides broccoli and carrots and peas. <laughs> God, black folks be making me so mad when it comes to vegetables, man. I'm like, there's more to it than that. Um, but you know, I feel like that's about exposure. Like, no lie, right? I had some, bro- I do not like Brussels sprouts. I, mm. But I had some the other day, mm. and they were amazing. And I was like, girl, they done, they put some extra in this. There's some pork in here, because I don't eat pork, right? <laughs> I'm like, they put something else in here to make it taste. She's like, no, this, these, are, these are vegan Brussels sprouts, right? So, being willing, because when I was introduced to Brussels sprouts as a kid, they didn't taste that good. Mm-hmm. But being willing to step out and to, you know, see what's out there, try some new stuff, it's okay. It's okay. I'm, I'm going to do cauliflower rice one day. I ain't got there yet, but I'm going to do it one day. My little sister tried that, and she actually said it's really good. I'm going to have to eventually. I haven't graduated that close yet. Me neither. Um, Guys, we're actually going to go over a little bit, which I love this because the past couple of shows we have been going over a little bit because of the way the vibe has been going. Um, thank you, Kasha, for your support. Um, yes, the vibe has been amazing, but of yes. course, this is my bestie, so this always like this when we talk. Um, and yes, then Brussels be on a whole another level, Kasha. Right. I don't understand how y'all folks that eat those Godspeed because I don't, I don't get it. I'm telling um, you, I'm going to order these and ship them to you because they were that good. Mm. I promise. Okay. Mm. Okay, we'll see. Um, our next uh, final question, and this is actually a really, really good one. Um, Michelle. Yes. <laughs> Do you believe we receive an ad, um, adequate education? Mm. And equal, so adequate and equal education. I'm going to say no. And the reason why I'm going to say that is because I don't think it matters whether you go to the worst public school in the world or the best private school in the world. There is so much institutionalized racism and prejudice in our education system that you aren't given a fair chance, right? And I say that as someone whose parents worked in education, who has... You know, I went to the the public schools where I was the only black girl in sixth grade, right? So like mm-hmm. definitely had those types of experiences. But yet and still in high school, I had a high school counselor that would not put me on the college college plan, right? That required some additional things in order for me to graduate. And my parents, thankfully, were involved enough 
that they was like, no, no, no. Enroll her in that class today, right? Mm-hmm. Not equal and adequate. I should not have to fight to get an opportunity to go to college, right? Mm-hmm. Or I've heard plenty of times of school counselors directing children away from college. And not saying that college is the only option. I think that there are a lot of ways for people to be successful. But if a kid comes and says that they want to go to college, give them all their options. Don't limit them to be like, well, baby, maybe you should just, you know. Yeah. Right? Be realistic. Yeah. Your your GPA and your ELSA and your SAT scores aren't going to put you where you think you want to be. It's going to be more difficult. You might have some more challenges. Mm-hmm. But don't tell them no. Right? Um, so I think that that's part of it, right? Or when we look at, you know, especially Black kids, they are more likely to be suspended for the same thing. So every time you're suspended, you are not getting the same level of education as the kid who's sitting in class, right? Um, so I think it's all of those things that says that we we don't actually get an equal education, right? Now, yes, there are plenty of people who sprinkled in who have great educational experiences. But how many of us had teachers that looked like us growing up? I had two. I'm sorry. I had one in high school, black woman. Now there were black teachers that worked at the schools that I attended, but I never had them. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time I had a black male teacher, I was in grad school. Who? You know, I've never had a black black uh, male teacher. Right. Now there was a black male teacher at my high school. He coached soccer and taught history, but I never had him. But you know what I mean? So it's it's those moments, right? I think that make the difference. And you don't have the same education when the person who doesn't look like you is talking with you, is sharing with you, right? Because they don't feel the same thing, right? They don't have the same passion for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and once you are, right, if a kid is overactive in school, if you're Black, you're a problem child. Mm-hmm. What if they was just too smart? They're not entertained. <laughs> They need more. They need more work. You need to give them. You need to push them a little bit further. But that that question isn't addressed. It's they're a problem, and we need to move them. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, the kid is like a Harvard graduate, right? <laughs> and went on to law school and did all of these other crazy things. And they're mm-hmm. like, "But that's not possible because he was that no, he was actually just super smart." And you all ignored it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I feel like I'm going on a tangent, but no, no, you, it's 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 funny because you're t- you're picking up off of something we had talked about last show when I talked about how they put me in a learning disability class when I was in elementary school, and then the the teacher asked my parents like, "Why am I? What is he doing in this class?" Um, and that's why I think representation matters. Mm-hmm. It's very important to have uh, black people in these key roles. Because as much as people don't want to believe it, and I don't even, I won't say they don't want to believe it, they don't understand it. When you hear Black children and athletes and celebrities say that when they saw someone that looked like them, it it was a whole different outlook on education. Because now it's like, man, if they can do this, I can do this. And even when we're talking about adequate and equal education, let me actually talk on something that we don't talk about in the Black community. Parents need to stop discouraging their children from what they like to do when it comes to education. Yes. Because too many times a black child will say they want to do this. And we as black 
adults will say, nah, because we don't see anybody our color that does that. Mm-hmm. You want to know why we don't see anybody our color does that? Because nobody our color is pushed and motivated to go that direction. Yep. Or we play the whole role. That's not something black people do. Mm-hmm. So one fun fact that a lot of people find out about me when we talk and we talk about education, <clears throat> my biggest dream was to be a marine biologist. Since I could talk, like when Animal Planet and Discovery Channel was created, that was my lane. I went okay. to the library. I looked up anything about animals, anything about aquatic life, anything like that. I love my parents. I love my circle. When I did in high school, I did all the research. When I say I did all the research, I found out the top three schools in the U.S. that worked in marine biology. I looked up what your grades had to be to be in marine biology. I looked up your prerequisites. I looked up if there was a way I can take classes to get ready for that for college. All of that brought it in front of my parents, presentation and everything. You know what my parents said? I don't think that's something for you because A, you don't know how to swim. I said, what I got to do with anything that has nothing to do with nothing. And B, we might need you. Why are you laughing? I feel like you judging me. No, I'm enough I, I don't need to know how to swim adequately, but I can survive. Disclaimer. No, no, you're not gonna judge me on this show tonight. You're not gonna No, I'm not I'm not judging you about not being able to swim. I was actually laughing because that's just like us, right? Because first of all, we don't even know what I don't even know what it takes to be a embryologist. Like, I mean, do you do water samples? Like do you have to swim? I, I don't. I don't know. Right? Like you should be testing the algae and the level of pollution in the water, right? That would that be. That is. That is a part of it. Yes. See, why you? Why you trying to play me? <laughs> but it, it was just why, because literally, what my parents was, they was like, you know what, we need you to do something, because I'm a PK. So their thing was. Oh, you should do something in the relative of the business side, which we always put black people. One thing, one, two jobs you're going to hear black people are accounting, something to do with count, accounting, or probably law, but not that many. But one thing they're quick to say is accounting. Accounting. Black people, you need to know how to do them books. And that's how my parents were. So I ended up doing a 360 and said, you know what? I'll do hospitality businessmen. No, I said, I'll do law. I was like, I'll look up law. Now, now friend, you know me. What am I? Who, who am I about to help in law? You actually probably would be pretty good. You argue pretty well. <laughs> so it completely changed my mindset. And even though I'm not upset about how my life has went, because God has definitely helped in a lot of things, but it does make me think now because me going to law absolutely bored me. So mm-hmm. I did not finish college. Mm-hmm. I, I think I'm like two semesters away from getting my AS, mm-hmm. but I, I, I didn't want to do it. So I I just completely stopped and lost interest. And it makes me wonder, had my parents pushed me and said, you know what? Boy, you probably can't swim, but we're going to figure this out. Like, we're going to find out what we need to do. We're going to find the people that's going to help you do that. And sometimes I think, um, and didn't mean to go on a tangent, but sometimes we as Black adults have to be careful that we don't discourage our children from some things. Because, of course, we always say records are meant to be broken. We always talk about, oh, my God, I never thought this person would have did it. But then you don't think about who was in that person's corner that did it. And, guys, when I say that I was super serious about this, I did two semesters as an intern at SeaWorld. That's real. I was was serious 
about doing this marine biology. Like I, I was, I was gung ho on it. I mean, um, life ain't over. Life is not. For those who do not know, I start back school this spring. Um, not for marine biology though, for child psychology and behavior management. But yeah, I like working with kids. So it was like marine biology or working with children. I love working with children. And after doing extensive research, a lot of uses. Mm -hmm. are not in the psychology field and we need that representation there so um, so i do start back school in the spring for that but for our people that's out there just be mindful like if you have a black child that's in your stead and you hear them wanting to reach for the stars which is so interesting we teach kids you can reach for the stars but the entire time we're pulling them down from it hmm. now, you think about that in school hmm. we talk about live your dream be whoever you want to be you can do whatever you want to do. We tell, we hear that the minute we can talk. And then for some reason, when we hit high school, no, you can't do this. You can't do that. You're not, you're not capable. This is what you should do. No, you want to be that astronaut. We're going to do what we got to do to get you there. You, I mean, we're, we're, we're quick to push black kids when it comes to sports. Soon as little Johnny picks up a football, Oh, that's my little football player. That's gonna be my little Hall of Famer. Da, 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 da. You quick to push that, and and little Johnny is uncoordinated as could be. Got two left feet, can't catch a ball, can't do none of that. But you gonna put him out there for Pee Wee and waste his time for the first five or six years to see if he's gonna do it till you yeah. get a reality check. That's the same way. And and thank you, um, Anthony. That's the same way we have to be when it comes to education. Yes, sports is important. Music is important. We know black people are very talented in that. But we're super talented in other stuff. You yeah. hear about all these black inventors that don't get the play they should get. Black people are more than just sports, models, sex, all this other stuff. Like there's mm -hmm. more to us to that. And we have to make sure that we let people know because there's little kids that have big dreams. And yeah. some of some of the times children won't tell you their full dreams because they don't know how you're going to react. Mm. Sorry to go on that tangent. No, nah, that was good. That was good. That's real though. Like, and I'm so glad you said that because it's really hard when you hear kids say something that seems so out of reach. Because I think part of it is like I'm trying to protect you, right? Like mm -hmm. I've been out of lived life. I know what right, and I know what's going through, right? Mm -hmm. But instead of saying, like, are oh, you interested? You want to be an astronaut? Let's find space camp. Because truth of the matter is, they may spend two weeks in space camp and be like, actually, that's not as cool as I thought it was going to be. I'm gonna and you know how quick kids change their minds on stuff. Like, and I get it because because people are like finances. I, I get it. But you are investing in your child. Like, right. if my child wants to go to band, I almost said band camp, astronaut camp. OK, it's two hundred dollars for them to do a five week summer program there. You, you clearly know, don't know how much children cost. I, I really don't. As you can tell, someone who has no kids, I don't know. That's hypothetically. Now, if it's more than $200, I got a problem. Little I thought you was going to say $200 for, the, for five days. I didn't think you were going. Ooh, for five. Ooh, Jesus. Yeah, well, yeah. you invest the $200 for the five days and see where it goes. Now, if little Johnny comes back after the five days and like, mom and dad, you know what? I thought about it, but this isn't this isn't for me. Then you're like, you know what? We invested it. It didn't go the way we wanted, but we did invest in you because we do believe in what you want to do. I'm going to tell you all this story. So I went from the time I was a kid to like college or high school. I thought I wanted to be a doctor, right? Be a pediatrician. <laughs> and so my parents sent me to med camp. Two weeks. 
MedCamp, flew to Atlanta, whole nine, right? Learned how to put stitches in. We visit hospitals. We talked to residents. Like, we talked to people from the CDC. I mean, it was amazing, okay? Senior year of high school, I take a psychology course, and I'm like, this is it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my dad is still mad at me <laughs> for not becoming a doctor. Now, y'all, I'm a lawyer, a whole, whole lawyer, right? <laughs> I'm pretty sure if I bring up the fact that I went to med camp, my dad is going to remind me, but I'm still not a doctor. <laughs> so um, I just want to remind y'all, you know, that as parents, please remember to let that go. If your child decides to go on a different route, you know, after having those experiences, just, just let it go. You don't have to remind them that you invested that money. Um, but yeah, yeah. My parents sent me to med camp and then I didn't become a doctor. So there's that. I mean, I mean, it's worth it. Um, now, um, before we close and I let uh, Michelle have the floor for the last few minutes, uh, my bestie has already been informed the minute I have a child, she is godmother. So, if you want to invest in your godchild like this, I'm totally okay with it. I'm totally okay with it. Cause dad, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like dad made me like, nah, go talk to your godmother on that one. Cause I I don't know. I don't know. I mean, but I will say it was a it was a family <laughs> um support that got me financially there. Cause my dad was like, Yeah, um, I can pay this amount. <laughs> You're going to have to call somebody else for the rest. <laughs> but it, it's good because like it, it, this is a good conversation because it does show that this, these are things um, that needs to be said and spoken on. Like if your child decides they want to do it, you never know what your child may be able to do. Like right. I literally used to tell my mom all the time that, did you know that we are only able to go this amount of feet in the ocean right now? And I was like, I want to be the one to go past that. And my mom used to be like, I didn't even know that. And like, I'm telling them about things that they, but like, yeah, this is why I don't go swimming in the beach willy nearly like some of y'all folks. I'm just saying. And when you start researching what's in the ocean, you'll be a little bit more wary about jumping in the middle of a beach talking about, yeah, I'm coming out here swimming with the fishes. I'm just saying. But with that being done, um, I want to thank everybody who's um, tuned in tonight. We did yeah. go over a little bit over um, for tonight's edition of She Said What. Um, but before I conclude, Michelle, Michelle, my friend has a couple of things. She is going to share her platform so you can follow her and support her and let you know about some um, endeavors that she has going on that we can support as well. Michelle? Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram, Dion1102, D-I-O-N-E-1102. Um, but most importantly, you can support a nonprofit organization that I work with um, and have been worked with for the last couple of years now. Sisters Who Care, it's based out of Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina, and we help to support and provide resources for men, women, and children who are facing food and housing insecurities in the Raleigh, Durham area. So you can um, find us online, sisterswhocare.org, that's S-I-S-T-A-A-H-S, Who Care, um, and you can find us on Instagram and Facebook under the same name, Sisters Who Care. And if you want to support even more, we have our annual uh, Feminine Hygiene Drive that is going to begin February 15th through March 15th, where we raise um, products for women who are living in shelters across Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina. So um, look out for information about our Feminine Care Supply Drive, February 15th through March 15th. 
Um, like, share, follow all of our information on social media, sisterswhocare.org and at sisterswhocare on Instagram and Facebook. Friend, for, for that, are we able to send you donations? Yes, you can send us donations. And if I knew the PayPal, I would tell you. But Slacking. yeah. Slacking. <laughs> Slacking. Well, but make, we make also sure you send me the information a, so I can uh, send some stuff. Yes. Um, and we also create a Amazon wish list. So you can go online and purchase the Amazon just shipped directly to us. Um, so we try to make that um, possible for anyone. And Dion, D-I-O-N-E. Um, D-I-O-N-E-1102. But yes, um, there are those options. And I'm trying to see if I can find our PayPal information. And while she's looking that up, guys, definitely, definitely um, support her. Um, this has been something that's been, she's been doing this for quite some time. This is something she's been doing for quite some time. So definitely make sure um, you support her while she pull up that information. Um, also, friend, send me the info for where I, where I can mail it. Um, to you as well. Um, I'm definitely not afraid to run into a store uh, to get up feminine projects. I mean, I have a little, I have a little sister, so I, I have no problem getting that. So that that's definitely something that needs to um, be done. So excited for that. Um, All right. I see Miss Sierra said PayPal is our email address. Oh, okay, perfect. So you can get on PayPal, sisters who care, S-I-S-T-A-H. S, who care? Pierre, um, if you can, can you type that in the comments? I'm trying to type in mine, but mine is not. <laughs> letting me type it. And apparently everything is deleted where I've done that, so. This friend, you're slipping. I know, I know. Awesome. So guys, like she said, you did. she did give you her Instagram information. So definitely go follow her on Instagram because you'll be able to see the other links to other things that she um, supports as well. Um, once again, Michelle, my friend, thank you, thank you, thank you. This was a total honor having you here on the show. You killed it as always. I was not, not surprised in the least. Um, as you know, we're definitely going to have you uh, come back um, for another show. So you know you're definitely back here for She Said What. Um, for everyone who was listening to the replay, once again, my name's Alan M. Newman Jr. You were listening to the She Said What radio, she, radio network. You were listening to the She Said What show. Um, I just want to remind everybody that you can follow us on YouTube at the He Said What network. Um, like the video, subscribe though. Also click on that timer so that they're alerted whenever we drop any new platform information. I just want to remind everybody for tomorrow, Thursday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we have our very own Bree. And um, that be Holly, that's going to be online. That's from 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on tomorrow. On Sunday, we have Let's Connect with Peas Intuition. That is at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. On Monday, we have Simply Sports with RG, One Mike, and Bree herself. That will be at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I actually will be a guest on that show. I believe it's either this Monday or the next Monday. We will have it um, up for you. I think it's this Monday. Um, and that show is at 8 um, a.m. a.m. 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time ends at 9.30 p.m. Tuesday, our sister show, He Said What, with the lovely Bree, comes on at 8 p.m. And then, of course, yours truly, She Said What, on Wednesday nights 
at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Looking forward to seeing you guys on next week. Once again, don't forget to go to YouTube, like, and subscribe, and have an amazing, amazing Wednesday. Be safe, and see you next week. Thank you.